Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel, here with my holy co-host. <laughs> Snuck the S in there. Yeah. I like that one. I'm Chelsea Hollowell, the holy hostess with the holy mostest. Oh, very nice. Very cool. Very cool. You are a great hostess. <laughs> yes. Like a mama bird. <laughs> yep, you always chew up people's food and spit it right into their mouth. Uh. You said it. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Also, Chelsea has hollow bones. That's kind of true. My bones are filled with uh, custard. Mm, delicious. Yeah. yeah. And sponge. Yeah. Sponge custard. Yeah. yeah. But my name? <laughs> Whoa. My name is Jack Olander, and I'm uh, a tablecloth. Sort of brown and sort of red. I'm on like a table. Okay. In a church. Uh-huh. I'm, a ho- I'm a holy tablecloth. Mm-hmm. Oh, there mm-hmm. you go. There you go. I'm That's- not like... I'm not like a centerpiece, like for communion or right, anything. Right, right. But like, I'm I'm in the church. You not know? one of those pretentious you, tablecloths. No. You tie the whole altar together. Is what you're saying? Mm, I don't know. That's kind of pushing it, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Listen, the communion tablecloth gets its time to shine once a month. You know, I get to shine all the time. Okay. I'm okay. just there's a there's like a like a vase on me. And like a Bible, it's the only book we have. Yeah, it's layering, you know? Yeah. Wow. Jesus loved to layer. I think I've heard that. Yeah. That's one of his little known tenets. It's carpentry, layering, and self-sacrifice. Yeah. He did all those often. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. I mean, read your Bible, kids, I guess. Don't forget to layer. Yeah. That's the most important thing. They leave that out of a lot of the passages. Yes. And be mindful of tablecloths, kids. You never know when there's a human soul in one of them. That could be said about most um, household furnishings. Yes. Thanks, Shinto. <laughs> so, guys, we just finished recording another episode of our bonus content for patrons of our show. Yeah, it was a rewriting history on Hercules. No way. Right. <laughs> if you become a patron, you could listen to that. If you want. But you know what? In order to do that, you'd have to go to patreon.com slash swords and satire and then join. So if you want to know what it's all about, there's an easy solution. Yeah, that's right. And it's pretty fucking awesome, if I do say so myself. It's not bad. And we had fun doing it. (laughs) But anyways, that's not what you're listening to right now. Right now, you're listening to another Satire TV. This is our bi-weekly series, I guess, where instead of a movie, we talk about a fantasy television program or show. Program. Program show. And the series we've been covering for the last seven weeks is Warrior Nun. And today we're going to be discussing episode eight, which is titled Proverbs 14.1. But, you know, 
Before we can talk about that, we really need to do a quick review of what happens in the episode, which I think Chelsea is ready to go with. Yeah, that's right. So I established this little thing in the beginning, and I'm going to have to stick with it. So <laughs> you started your, the bit, you stick with the bit. <laughs> this is your Bible study for this week. Open your Bibles or, you know, your website up to. Oh, God, there's bats in my website. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Proverbs 14.1, which reads, the wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Whoa, the foolish woman must be jacked. <laughs> uh, get nanade house. Like, I'm a pretty big guy. I don't think I could tear down a house with my bare hand. Maybe if the house was, like, already kind of fucked up. But, like, a well-built house? I don't know. And you know what this Maybe means? a sledgehammer. It's really pointing to community. The wise woman builds up her community around her and looks to her friends and allies for aid and support. And the foolish one tears down all of her social connections. Oh, I get it. So the foolish woman can kick the crap out of all of her friends. <laughs> like Lilith? <laughs> I mean, I think Ava could also kick the crap out of her friends. Yeah. See, but Ava, well, I guess we'll get into it. First, I have to let people know what happened. Yeah. Okay, so we start out this episode with an exposition meeting, and we learn a little bit more I love those. about the history of the OCS, and specifically Adriel. Uh, about the first warrior. Oh, no, that's the angel. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out that he actually lived as a mortal, and- A mortal, not immortal. And his tomb is actually the place of power that we found out about that's under the Vatican in the last episode. <laughs> Just to specify, super mortal. Very <laughs> extremely mortal. Extra mortal. <laughs> yes. Now you'll see that I was confused because the first warrior nun's name was Ariella. That's right. You know, such a different name from Adriel. Yeah. So they they figure out that they need to go get his bones from under the tombs because that's what's controlling the demons and keeping them anchored to the mortal realm. And that's what they call relics. You know, things angel skeletons do, like bind demons to the earth. Uh-huh, yep, that tracks. Okay. Why is that a power he had? <laughs> hey, you know what? Everything of this, why not? Well, you know, you're right. Yeah, you're right. So this is the team with Ava. We've got Father Vincent, Mary, Camilla, Beatrice, Beatrice, and then... And don't forget, God is in every scene. That's right. Yes. I love that. Um, and so they all decide to go work with Jillian and Christian at Arctech to train to get into the tomb. They're going to plan their heist. It's going to be another heist coming up. Oh, man, I'm ready for this heist. So Christian helps <laughs> them plan out how to find where the tomb is under, buried under the Vatican. Is what we're going to do. We're going <laughs> to break into the Vatican. 
Yes. We're going to call it the Holy Heist. Nice. And then Jillian and Beatrice help Ava train to get through uh, 20 feet of stone, which is covering up Adrian. No, Adriel's tomb. <laughs> Poor um, Adrian. No one goes into his tomb. So this whole episode is somewhat of a montage of the training, but we also get (laughs) the history of some of the characters like Father Vincent, which we'll get into details about later. Father Vincent the Guns. Yes. And then Lilith actually is like looking around the cat's cradle, which is what they call their headquarters of the OCS. The nun house. Yeah, and then she figures out somehow that some of them were kicked out because of this. She saw the evidence of the scuffle in Shannon's old room, and somehow she figures out they're an architect or something is calling her there. Maybe Ava. She also saw something else that caught her eye, which was a memorial dedicated to herself. Yeah. Because everyone thought foolishly that she had died when she got stabbed by a demon and pulled through a portal to hell. So, against my predictions, she has a friendly reunion with her uh, sister nuns, and she and Ava are starting to become friends, maybe. Or are they? Then, at the end, (laughs) Ava has a dream vision. Or does she? (laughs) Where she sees Shannon, and they talk to each other about... what happened. Who is she? (laughs) About Adriel's tomb, about some more of the lore, and then... How the mission is the problem. Dun, dun, dun. And Ava wakes up and tells everybody they have to change the plan. They're not going to get the bones out to give it to Jillian at Arctech anymore. She tells her crew that she actually wants to destroy the bones. We're going to break those bones. Going to desecrate that angel's grave. You know what? Holy people are always on quest to destroy the bones of angels. If I know one thing about religion, that's the one thing I know. (laughs) Bones. Religious people love destroying angel bones. It's just just a well-known pastime. Yeah, that old chestnut. All right, well, I think that pretty much covers the broad strokes. Let's head into the delve. Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of this episode of Warrior Nun. Yep. So, I know we usually kind of work our way through it, but I want to start a little differently. I want to work backwards. So, I want to talk about this dream vision. Okay. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) But, it's it's not what you're expecting. Because, no. Ava, when she's waking up, she says that she wants to destroy the bones, which she assumes are made out of divinium. Because she says, I want to see if I can destroy divinium because we need to destroy the bones. Oh, right. huh. I must have missed that implication that Adriel's bones are made of divinium or divinium is made of angel bones? I don't know. This is very strange. So that's a strange... I didn't put those to- together while we were watching the episode, actually. Yeah, that's a strange implication and a-, a wild assumption on her part. How does she know his bones? He was made mortal. Listen, she's a warrior nut. She knows these things. But the bones do have power, so... 
Well, I, I thought that was a pretty obvious connection because humanium is made out of bones. <laughs> oh my god. And of course... We're all made of humanium. We use yeah. humanium for all sorts of things, like... Uh, Being alive? I, I feel legally I shouldn't say what I use humanium for. <laughs> Jesus. It's made out of human. <laughs> I don't know. Soylent green is humanium? Oh, yes. Also... Ava doesn't seem to be thinking about the repercussions here because if she's saying that she wants to put an end to all demons on Earth and she wants to be the last warrior nun and to stop all the fighting and killing, that's fine and good. But she's not. Yeah, you could almost say that is a noble purpose. Yes. But she's not thinking about, okay, if the let's say the bones are Divinium and her assumptions, right? She's not thinking about if she destroys the bones by melting them like she did the knife, how does she know that won't cause the halo to lose its power? And she might die again. Possibly. Um, the halo was Adriel's, like, halo, right? Like, that's, this is, the, the thing that gives the warrior nuns the power was the halo of this angel. So it's possible that destroying the bones could have that effect, but it seems like they're not necessarily tied to Adriel, so it's hard to know. But it's a good question. Yeah. Because this episode does touch on things like um, Ava's uncertainty and fear of, well, dying again, slash being alone and unable to, like, take care of herself. Yes, that's true. And I, I want to get into that. Or being dead. <laughs> that's one of the biggest themes of the episode uh but real quick let's stay with this dream vision for a second um yeah this is an important scene i think for the whole show actually one thing that struck me was that the message that shannon was giving ava and the way it really influenced the whole way ava was thinking about everything they're doing really felt to me like an NDE, a near-death experience. Okay. Yes. People that experience an NDE, a near-death experience, often come back with their perspective (laughs) completely altered about life and death and about their priorities in life. Okay. And her, after talking to Shannon, it was almost like a spiritual experience for her. She comes back and realizes that their priorities are all wrong. They don't need to take the bones away from the church and just give them to Arctic. Which was a bad idea from the beginning. Like, let's just be very clear. Yeah. When they posed that as an option in the beginning of this episode, I was like, that is a terrible plan. Yes. And then just get back to the mission. She's like... We have it all backwards. The mission is the problem, like Shannon told her. The priorities are all wrong. And we we need to stop having this fight. We need to take away the need for this organization. Well, yeah, and, and just to be clear, the reason she makes that compelling argument, I think part of it is that she says, every warrior nun lives a short, unfulfilled life. Basically saying, like, every single warrior nun throughout history has died very um, soon after receiving the halo. Yeah, because Shannon in the dream vision says, the OCS helped me build a family. And Ava's like, oh, yes, me too. Yeah, it's great. great. And then Shannon says, yes, 
a family that dies off one by one. Right in front of, of your the eyes. Mission. The mission is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, because like we've been getting these clips of different warrior nuns' life in um, this journal that Shannon had. Yes. So this is getting to the heart of it. It's because the mission is corrupt. It's not noble. Because it's connected to the church trying to keep control over this place of power. The bones in the tomb. Adriel's bones. The They're trying realm. to control this. And it's just like Jack predicted in our last episode. Father Vincent just lays it bare that the church is controlling the bones to keep darkness in the world so that the church will be what people turn to for the light. Right. So it's keeping themselves relevant. It's all about power and control. Again, it's just trying to stay relevant in a world they're, so they're creating the darkness. They're Like Jack said, they're creating the problem so that they can be the solution. Yeah, and they also say in this episode that destroying the bones is going to, like, weaken people's Catholicism, which I was like, I don't know if that's how this works. I've met my grandma. I don't know if she needs uh, angel bones in the Vatican to be a, a really devout Catholic. But, hey, we'll see. We'll see after they destroy the bones. Yeah. But, and that's going to be a fun heist as well. But, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, we felt like that was probably right of what Jackie said. Right. And they just fucking spelled it out for us here. <laughs> right. They're like, hey, this one's for Jack. <laughs> yeah. Now, if St. Martha would show up. Oh, man. Well, that'll be the, like, the... Episode 10 cliffhanger. With an infinium blade. Oh. Then it'll be the pure Jack. <laughs> the pure Jack fan service. I just want, I feel like we need to point out that this story example is something that we see in the real world with those who are in power and control perpetuating things that keep the world dark so that they can come in and offer solutions to that darkness that keep them in power and keep them in control. Yes, right. If you manufacture a situation that encourages people to give over their power to you, you kind of get incentivized to keep that situation in front of everyone's face. It's not unlike uh, Darth Sidious. We saw that. That's what Star Wars is about. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the guy who was the Senate? Yeah, this okay. is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. Well, if it works. <laughs> I mean, there are some people out there who are very skilled at uh, weaponizing their supporters against those supporters' best interests. Yes. Yeah. Class struggle. Oh, yes, exactly. There's a lot of people out there who continue to prop up and vote for people who, um, you know, take away their livelihood, um, take away their right to, say, organize into collective groups that would increase the power of more individuals. For example, just pulling this out of anywhere. So all I'm saying is find unity with your fellow worker. Yes. With your yeah. fellow citizen. Exactly. Build your house with your own hands. 
and the hands of your friends who are helping you build that house. Yeah, that's the that's like that's what the passage is missing. That the truly wise woman builds her house with her friends. The real house is the friends we made along the way. Whoa, humanium house. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that that scene, yeah, like I was saying, um, this message that Shannon gives to Ava is a very important theme of the show where we kind of have this struggle between acts of vengeance and violence versus, for example, in the case of Ava, like her desire to just get to experience all the things that she never had. The halo has given her this lease on life Literally, because she was dead before she got the halo. Before that, she was quadriplegic and had no autonomy. She's having this moment of power and freedom by having the halo, but she's realizing that the cost of the halo existing might be too high for her to justify keeping it. I mean, this isn't always the case, but She's an outsider. Sometimes it takes an outsider to come in with a fresh perspective to see things with fresh eyes and and point out what's wrong with the status quo. My God, that's the anthropologist's uh, way. <laughs> <laughs> come with fresh eyes. Yes. So what we're talking about here is nonconformity. And that was another major theme of this episode. Yes. And having the space to be yourself and express yourself. Right. Whether yourself is a fun-loving teen who just wants to uh, run on the beach, a uh, queer person who has had to live in the closet and wants to express themselves. Yes. And, and their love and, and to not be judged by their community. Or a sick priest with uh, sweet tattooed arms who used to be a drug runner for the cartels. So this is all we woven into history in right. the episode. Yes. So they highlight through the journal that they're reading something that hopefully most of us are aware of, that throughout history, those who are nonconformists haven't always had the safe space to express themselves. That's right. And that's exemplified by the story of a warrior nun who uh, escaped from Nazi Germany. Sister Melanie. She was put in a internment camp for being a lesbian. That's right. And this story really resonated with Beatrice. And Ava was not sure why Beatrice was not just like, oh, yeah, this warrior nun, like, incinerated a Nazi. This is great. And Beatrice is kind of like, you're being really dense, Ava, as I am giving you all the signals you need to understand why this story is upsetting to me. Yeah. And she kind of, like, lays it out for her, but still being... She's friendly. Still, she's still friendly, but obfuscating a bit. Right. And um, Ava kind of finally catches on that Beatrice is trying to say that she is a lesbian as well. And she's faced discrimination herself from her family. And, but ostensibly, see, this is the paradox, it seems, of the, uh, you know, the narrative is complex. Beatrice was rejected by a family who would not accept her. In the OCS, she has found a family that she feels more comfortable with. Still, perhaps not comfortable enough to fully express herself yet. Yeah. Although maybe that's going to change as her relationship grows with this new splinter cell yeah. of the OCS yeah. with Ava and Father Vincent. Hopefully. But she feels, she seems to feel 
closer. She feels a sense of sisterhood with the other nuns. Yeah. Yes. She seemed to imply in every way that she was gay as well. And Ava catches on in a supportive way and says, like, I'm sorry for your pain. You're beautiful the way you are, right? Right. Yeah. Which was very nice. nice message. They missed out on a funny scene where Ava just stares blankly and goes, oh, you're gay. (laughs) (laughs) And for Beatrice to just stare into space taking psychic damage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, this was nicer because I think yeah. it bond- I think it really changed their relationship. I think there, so too. There was also something else that Ava missed out on because of her own trauma and pain in this um, historical account of Sister Melanie, in that it wasn't okay that Melanie unloaded on all these people that she was way overpowered against, right? Um, because it was coming from a place of rage and hatred right she's ava's just like cool nazi face melting (laughs) yeah missing out on the fact that melanie like incinerated a room full of people a hate crime (laughs) (laughs) a reverse hate crime i'm not sure no it was still a hate crime (laughs) but against a hate group (laughs) yeah it's murky but um yeah it's complicated i think that's the point of this uh, yeah. side story in the she narrative. wanted to get she wanted Ava to pick up on that she also wanted Ava to pick up on the fact that sister Melanie was able to access vast amounts of power from the halo because she dealt with her own trauma and pain and by working through it she was stronger yeah although I think that message came off a little murky in the, the telling because it's like oh this is a story about how you can like tap into your power to get through that brick wall by like having strong emotions but i'm like yeah but also it's a story about burning down a pub but also it's a story about don't let yourself be led by rage and hatred so it is very mixed yeah messaging (laughs) it's like don't do this but also do this wait i'm confused yeah (laughs) this is the key to true power (laughs) (laughs) And you should never use it. Oh, okay. It seemed a bit like it had something to do with letting go. Yeah. I think so. And being just like your purest self. Because in the pub, that previous warrior nun only uses that power when the Nazi commander has aimed a gun at her and she knows that she cannot reach him in time to protect herself. Right. So it seems like she sort of emptied herself and opened up to this power, right? Right. That was available that she didn't have access to. And we actually saw Ava do the same thing in the last episode near the end when Sister Crimson fires the shotgun at her and and Mary, and Ava does the sonic burst that knocks the the pellets away. And that's right. In this episode, Lilith goes into Shannon's room and sees the you know the bullets on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But Ava has to clear herself of her fears to get through the solid stone. Right. It's about dealing with your own shadow, the things inside of you that are based in trauma or fear, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And working through them so that you can kind of be comfortable with them as part of your existence so they don't totally roll your emotions. 
Right. And Ava's living with this fear of being paralyzed again, too, which they allude to in this episode where in I think it was in the last episode, she used up some of the power of the halo or too much of the power of the halo and lost the ability to walk for a minute. And so Ava's got this hesitation about overusing the halo because she doesn't want to lose the ability to walk and have the use of her limbs. Yeah. And that's part of what seems to be holding her back. Paradoxically, she's not getting through the wall, literally and figuratively, because she holds herself back out of fear of losing the power. But, but if she dematerial, she rematerialized inside of the wall, she'd be dead. But that was only partly true. Because when Beatrice pressed her on that and asked, oh, you are worried about being a paraplegic again and losing your mobility, Ava says, well, that's only part of it. I'm also worried about being stuck in a bed alone right again and beatrice says you'll never be alone you have us even if you were just a head in a bag i would be your friend <laughs> nice <laughs> futurama weird... reference yeah i guess Heads so. in jars <laughs> I, guess so. I thought it was kind of weird but uh i think she's just saying no <laughs> she's matter <being> nice. <laughs> what i will be there for you we will all be there for you it was a sweet message mm -hmm. i hope it's true because they're family and there was a moment after Ava got out of the stone where Beatrice, <laughs> would, there was a little bit of romantic tension. Beatrice mm -hmm. uh, moved some of the hair out of Ava's face, mm -hmm. I recall. Correctly. Just like That's a right. cringy boy would do. But in her hands, it's not so cringe. <laughs> it's sweet. It's that funny yeah. context yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought this was an episode with a lot of interesting character development and backstory. Yeah. So, yes, Father Vincent and his awesome backstory that totally, I, I called it as soon as he's in the car with Mary. So let's talk about that scene. Yeah, I mean, before we found out that he had a problem with alcoholism. Right. But that's all that we really got to find out. That's kind of the most of Vincent's ba uh, backstory we've gotten so far. Maybe a few other hints here or there. Maybe. But in this episode, they find out that they need the original Medici map of the under labyrinths of the Vatican so that they can find Adriel's tomb. Yeah. But, oh no, that map is missing. It was sold years ago. On the black market. That's right. And only somebody familiar with the black market could find it again. And that's when Father Vincent has a little moment where he kind of stares into the middle distance and goes, I think I can get it. And, and I was like, oh, no. shit. I was like, guys, you should be paying attention. This is some intricate backstory building right here. So he and Mary go off to visit with a, a broker. Yep. Who um, has an eidetic memory for everything he's ever sold on the black market. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but so there's a scene when Vincent and Mary are in the car and they're about, uh, Vincent's about to go in and he pulls off his collar, his priest collar, and he starts opening his sleeves. And I said, oh, dude, what if he has a bunch of sick tats? And, and he fucking did. does. Yeah. He fucking has the Mother Mary tattoo. He's got all these like fucking religious tattoos. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Vincent is hard. And he revealed to Mary that he used to be an enforcer for the cartel. Yeah. Oh, man. I like Father Vincent more every episode. Yeah. And so he and Mary go to the guy's house. The guy who has the map, they just go up with a fucking shotgun to his head. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, and they, the guy's uh, like, I didn't know it was stolen. And then yeah. Mary's like, oh, yeah, is that why you had it in a locked box? Yeah. But uh, Christian helps them verify it's the right thing, and they, they get it back from him. <laughs> they fucking robbed this dude. I know. And they didn't even try to hide their faces. No. Who's going to believe him? Uh, a priest and a nun robbed me. <laughs> yes, I'm waiting for the rest of the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, nobody would believe that. But um, They call her Shotgun Mary. <laughs> because okay, she uses dude. a shotgun. All right, dude. <laughs> so you get the sense that Father Vincent doesn't really want to go back into that world, but he's kind of making a sacrifice to go forward with their plan. Yeah, there was another thing about this episode that kind of struck me as a little odd. is just that Mary's reaction to finding out that Vincent has also got a hard background seems kind of hypocritical. She's upset, I think, because he's always acted as kind of like the paragon, the the virtue, the light that they should follow. And he never opened up to her about this before, even though he knows she struggles with it. I know. I mean, I, I get that. I, I she think thought it was hypocritical of I'm, him. Yeah, I'm not saying that I disagree with it, like... That I think is bad writing necessarily. It just is like she knows that Father Vincent lets her get away with basically whatever. So I would think that by now she I just think that a better response probably would have been like, I knew it. Yeah. Just totally like I knew like you put on this whole like good father facade. But I knew that deep down inside you had a dark passenger. Yeah. <laughs> Mary is not a patient person with anybody. No. Right? She's hot-headed. Yes. But her and Ava have a fun relationship. Yeah, they do. <laughs> a little she buddy does, buddy. She also likes to joke around. So. Yeah. No, Mary's a great character. Yeah. I just, I kind of wish that her response had been like, yeah, I knew it. But it's yeah. funny because she can also be really patient, especially with Ava. True. She was playing the long game when she was trying to convince Ava to come back. Yeah, I think it's because she really believed in that. Yeah. Uh, Mary has a hard time being faithful in what she's doing, like seeing reason for what she's going about. Yeah. But when it comes to Ava, I think she really sees something worth fighting for and being patient and persistent with. I think that makes sense. Yeah. She's willing to, to go the extra mile with Ava. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that supports Beatrice's assertion that Ava will always have them. Yeah. Although I do have concerns now that Shannon has said that warrior nuns watch their friends die in front of their faces. I don't know. It seems to be the other way around, but. Well, it's both, right? Like she said that Shannon said that she like lost the people she cared about, and then she also died young. Yeah. Like, it's just this cycle of violence Yeah, situation. It is the order of the cruciform sword. Yeah. And there's the whole live by the sword, die by the sword thing. Next. Oh, wow. Who said that? Ava's friend, JC. Oh, JC. Wait, no, no, not that one. The original. <laughs> J Jesus. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. He's not the that. new JC, yeah, but the old JC. For those of you not savvy to scripture, when Jesus was being arrested, his buddy Peter took a sword and cut the ear off one of the Roman soldiers. Ouchie. Yes. And Jesus said, 
Hey, Peter, don't you do that. And he healed the guy's ear. And he said to Peter, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And that's sort of supposed to imply the cycle of violence sort of thing. So what you're saying is that in this show, the church doesn't necessarily live up to Jesus's words. I just had a flashback of Mary just shotgunning that guy on the cliff. (laughs) Throwing him a gun and then shooting him to death. And that's totally just a thing in this show. It's a fantasy thing in this show. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cycle of violence is just a theoretical... Concept. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. It's Um, strictly uh, reserved for fantasy fiction. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I just want to say about the trauma thing, because I feel like I didn't finish. Sure. Great. Um, <laughs> Let's go back to trauma. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just speaking from personal experience, if you can find a way to work through or manage your trauma in some way, it can really help you to become stronger or at least more open and able to access your own emotions. Yeah. And so that's kind of like what they were talking about in the show. And I felt like, at least for my experience, that really rings true. When you're still really in the frequency of victimhood and deep in the trauma, it's hard to see that. And it feels Mm. false when you hear it. But if you're working through it and you're kind of starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, then it kind of has some truth to it. And you can see that point of view. Yeah, getting past it can be very empowering. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that it was okay or anything. It just means that you are no longer a prisoner to that uh, intense rage that it can cause uh, of having gone through it. And you no longer wear that like a cloak. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what Ava has to work through. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well said. Mm. It can be hard to work through, but, you know, if you can take steps, whatever it takes... There's, mm-hmm. you know, very likely people out there who can help. Yeah. Therapy helped me. Yeah. <laughs> Therapy. Uh, talking you to know, friends. Talking to friends is whatever it takes yeah. to get, you know, perspective or just to know that people sometimes like for me, it just helps to know that there's people who will listen. And if I, you know, if a friend asks how I'm doing and I give them an honest answer when I'm not doing good and they're like, well, tell me about it. Like, yeah. I just feel better. Getting to get it off my chest sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. There's many scales that this can take, many forms that this can take. Yes. For me, I turn to Christianity typically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Christianity. What's that? Which, uh, uh, it's, it, it was actually a religion that came out of this show's release. Whoa, really? Wow. Yeah. Dude, I didn't know the show was so big. Yeah, it's pretty popular. No wonder these are so, some of our most popular episodes. Yeah, it's it started in a whole religion. Wild. <laughs> so is there like uh, any literature you could suggest to me? No. Oh, okay. Well, actually, there's the graphic novel of Warrior Nun. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. That's the one with the skimpy outfits, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, they, they, you know, they hook you in with the skimpy outfits and they keep you with the moral. 
<laughs> That's how I learn everything in life. It's clickbait. It's yeah. the skimpy outfits to morals uh, pipeline. I think it would be so funny if more religions did clickbait. Like it's a picture from like one of the Jesus movies and there's just a red circle randomly in the corner with an arrow pointing to it. <laughs> you won't believe what happened on that night. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I was just overanalyzing the little gag I just said about the skimpy outfits to uh, morals pipeline and then I realized that like my favorite thing as a kid was professional wrestling and I found out about like all my other favorite interests from being a big wrestling fan so maybe I was right yes a lot of skimpy outfits in wrestling yes all right guys well we've covered a lot about the episode and about ourselves and about our personal philosophies I think we should probably head into our final thoughts All right, guys. So anything else you want to say about the episode before we finish up here? Yeah, I was probably right (laughs) about Lilith. She came back wounded. We hear a constant ringing in her ears. She was healing up a little bit when looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. She had a giant wound in her side from the Terrasque claw. That glows red. Yeah, it looked like it was Full of fire yep. or something. As it was healing, it looks like it was burning. Now, just to be clear, when you have a wound that's healing, it's not supposed to burn like the fires of hell? Internally, right. Um, um, oh. um what about, what about cauterizing? Oh, wait, internal. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Hmm, you know what? I'll be right back. I need to go make a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> but... It only leads to the idea we had that she might have some sort of infernium halo, like we mentioned in the last episode. It did kind of look like a glowing halo under her belly. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was thinking for a moment, I was like, whoa, wait, is she pregnant or something? But then there were troubling implications that the Terrasque claw would be a penis in that (laughs) scenario. Oh, I thought you were going to say she was, like, pregnant with Sonic's baby. Whoa. She gives birth to CGI Shrek baby, and you're like, whoa. (laughs) That is from hell. (laughs) Well, you know, this was related to something I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Lilith also. The Sonic pregnancy one? No. Um, I wanted to mention about what somebody else said before Lilith comes back. They were talking about Adriel's bones. And Vincent- I still can't hear that without thinking boner, because I'm 12. Oh, okay. And then, um... Divinium bone. Uh, Father Vincent was talking about lore he had learned that he had discredited because he didn't believe it in the past. Right. And it was when he was talking about how the church is keeping the demons going. And basically, he was saying that he also learned that whoever controlled the bones would be like the lord of the demons because they were under their sway. Right. And I was like, yeah, or lady of the demons. Because we're talking about Lilith and she's back and she's always connected to demons in the fanfic. Christian fanfic. Yep. And um, she's the mother of demons, so I think she's going to somehow... Mother of monsters. 
She's gonna somehow get control of those bone, those their bones. Them bones, them bones, gonna walk all over. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to give a, uh, I want to give some recognition to the acting chops in this episode. I, I'm sad to say I don't know the actors' names in this show. That's just, I haven't, uh, I, I've been a bad fan, but um, man, like Beatrice. Yes. Really sold it in this one with her story with Ava. Yeah, I feel like every character is compelling and interesting. I I want to know like more about these characters every episode. I'm always feeling invested because I can just I, I to me it feels like everyone is just giving it their all, having a good time making this show, and it just comes off the screen. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Uh, I remember in a previous episode, I had a bit of an issue with the portrayal of the characters, just like getting into it. But Beatrice definitely brought the A game this episode. She might be jumping up to one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah. After this one. She was just very complex and very emotional and relatable in this one. I thought yeah. she was pretty hype. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I just feel like, yeah, I... I Personally, I think the actors are just constantly getting better with their characters yeah. and really slotting into these roles very nicely. I'm excited to see, you know, we're, we're coming up on uh, the last two episodes here. I can't wait to see what else they've got and what yeah, other surprises there are in store for us. I am looking forward to the the Vatican catacomb heist. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be great. All right, well, that'll probably do it for us here at the old Castle Satire. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to keep up with the show and what we're doing, maybe give us a follow on social media at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can see what movies we're watching every other week, get updates about what we're up to, when we're off to see new movies that we're going to be covering on yeah. the show. And uh, check out some of the memes. Those are great. And like we said, you could always go to patreon.com slash swords and satire and become a patron uh, supporter of the show. If you have the means, we would really appreciate it because that helps us keep the torches lit here at Castle Satire to borrow a saying from Jamie. Yeah, that's right. But if you don't have a few extra bucks to send to your favorite podcasters, <laughs> why don't you hop on over to the black market? Yeah. Tell everyone <laughs> about our show. Spread the good word. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's going to give us in any trouble. <laughs> no, it sounds fine. You were going there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just got to pick up some things. You know how it is. Yeah. All right, well, until next time, Hail Crom!